All right. So, so for the last uh, three weeks, we've been talking about 40 years, celebrating 40 years of ministry, Alliance Ministry here in Quartzsite. And uh, it is our 40th year. And then in 1984 is when this ministry officially became a part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And so we've been celebrating and beginning the celebration. That's what next Sunday is. It's the true kickoff for this year of celebration. So we're hopefully, hopefully we're going to get some people that um, were founders of the ministry come back and so we can honor what God did through them. Um, And we're going to hopefully invite one of the first pastors to come out and speak next fall. And, you know, if God allows, then we'll do that. If not, you're stuck with me. Um, But that's kind of what we've been talking about for the last three weeks. And so we've been also talking about vision. What is God doing? And so in the first three weeks, we've been talking about this, that God gives vision, all right, to his people. He always does this. It's something he always does. So we, we looked at Genesis 1 about when he created man and humanity. What did he say? Go and multiply. Like this is what he wanted. Take dominion over the earth. And so that was his vision for humanity. We fast forward to Noah. And the vision there was build an ark. After that, it was Abraham. Go to a land I will show you. And we continue on through the rest of Scripture. God gives vision to His people what He wants them to do. And so we talked about that. Then we talked about how God builds upon this vision. So with Noah, build an ark. The next thing is, 120 years later, get into the ark. Okay, Simple. I think Noah was a simple man. Simple instructions. Simple man. I love Noah. I think he's my kindred. And so that's what so God does that. With Abraham it was go to a land I will show you. What is the next thing? I will give you a son. And so what does he do with every part of his vision is he always builds on it when his people start walking in it. And so he'll build on that vision. And so we talked about that. But with that as even though we are redeemed people We still struggle with sin, and because of that, strife comes with vision. And so when we have vision, when we're walking in it, we still have problems. We still have issues. Um, How many have been in a a ministry, in a local church body, where there was some strife, right? Yeah, we have strife. Why? Because even though we're redeemed people, we still struggle with sin. And so that happens within the church and from inside the church and from outside. And so you have these things that happen. And so what we talked about is that even through the strife, God still does good, right? This is why we brought up Romans. That in Romans it says that for those who love God, He works all things out for good for those who are called according to His purpose, right? Same word, vision, all right? So that's what we talked about for the last three weeks. Now for what we're moving forward in, is literally how do we move forward, right? If God has given us vision, if he's building upon it, and we know we're going to have strife, how do we move forward with all of that? That's what we're going to talk to today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Genesis 50. And usually in this series, what what would happen next is that I would share a story about the alliance, the big alliance, the national alliance, right? But we're not going to do that today. I'm going to hold those stories off for the end. Instead, I want to show you in Scripture how people, how godly people responded after there was 
strife, after his vision, after his building, and after there was strife. How godly people responded to that, all right? We start with Genesis 50. And as we get into this, um, how many of you are reading through the Bible and you're in Genesis 50, You're in Genesis right now? Raise your hand. All right, perfect. This is actually why we're doing Genesis. All right, let's start off there because you should be already done with this. All right, so here's the story that leads up to this. Joseph was one of the... Um, yeah, Joseph. I always get Joshua and Joseph. Joseph is one of the guys. He is the 11th brother in this group. And the story goes that he tells his brothers um, of a vision and a dream that he had. And in that, he told them, all of you are going to bow down to me. Perfect thing to say as the youngest with all your other siblings, especially with all of them being boys. Of course, they're going to take that good, right? And so what they do, and because he is favored by his father, they take him and they throw him into a pit and then they sell him off as a slave and tell his dad, sorry, an animal got him. And so Joseph goes through this little um, this story about how he goes down to Egypt. He's sold to the Pharaoh's guard, uh, the captain of the Pharaoh's guard. He's there doing great and then the his master's wife comes on to him and he rejects her. And so now he gets thrown into prison. And so he gets thrown into prison. And while in there, God gives him favor with the jailer. And these two guys come in, they're servants of Pharaoh. And they both have these dreams and, and he interprets this dream, these dreams. And then one gets out and then one dies per the dreams. And the one that gets out forgets him, forgets Joseph, and kind of lets him go his way. And Pharaoh then has this dream, and so no one can figure it out. And then the servant goes, oh, I remember a guy. And so he comes out of prison. He interprets the dream, becomes second only to Pharaoh. And through that event, God saves not only Egypt, but his people Israel. So all that happens, and then at the very end of the story is where we come to Genesis 50. All right, so what do we got? We got vision, we got building, we have strife, right? At the very end, this is what happens. So here we go, Genesis 50, starting in verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil we did to, for him, to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave his command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and the, of their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of, of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear for I am it. For I, for, sorry, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Let's go to another one. We're going to go over to John, the book of John, in the New Testament. Chapter 21, verse 15, that's where we'll start. And here's the story that leads up to this moment. It's the Last Supper with Jesus before he goes to the crucifixion. His disciples are with him, and he tells them, one of you is going to betray me. And all of them start saying, it's not me. It's not I. Is it me? 
They don't even know. And then Peter actually stands up and says, I will never betray you, Jesus. I will go to death for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, before this night, before the the crow, or the crow, the rooster crows three times, you will deny me three times. And here he says, no, never happened. So what's next? They go to the garden. In the garden, here come the guards. And here's Peter. He jumps up, takes a sword, slices off one of the guards' ears. Jesus rebukes him. And Peter runs. From here on out, the trials and the beatings that happen to Jesus are carried out until He's crucified. And all through this, there's the rooster crowing three times. And there's Peter denying and so you have all this happening and at the last one he realizes, I did it. And so you go from there, Jesus is crucified. He's raised back from the dead. And we fast forward to now this moment in John chapter 21. And it says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. The last thing is in Acts. It's in Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 36. In this time, the story goes that it starts in Acts 13. And Barnabas and Paul, the dynamic duo of missions, they are doing their work and a young man by the name of John Mark is following along. But then persecution and the trail and everything that goes along with the work of ministry starts taxing and John Mark runs. He leaves them. Then there's an issue going on. There's some people, some Jewish Christians that are telling the Gentiles, look, you've got to follow everything that's under the law. Every little detail you need to follow in order to be a Christian. And so Paul and Barnes are saying, no, that's not it. And they go down to Jerusalem. They hold the council meeting. And the Jerusalem church says, no, we don't put people under the law. Jesus said it's free. So just tell the Gentiles that they need to take care of the widows and the orphans and the poor. And so they, they send them out in this. And in, John, in Acts 15, that's where we come to this moment. It says, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in uh, Pamphylia. Pamphylia. And had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. 
and he went through Syria and Cilicia. Oh my goodness, Oh, I'm sorry. English is my second language. It's also my first, but that word strengthening churches. All right. It ends with. It ends with Second Timothy. Second Timothy. It's at the about fourteen years later. Paul's writing to his um, his mentee Timothy, and he writes this in Second Timothy chapter four, verse eleven. He says, "Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry." You have these moments where. Joseph's brothers think, oh, dad's dead. He's gonna, our little brother who is basically king is going to kill us. And so they go before him and Joseph says, no, no, no. Well, you did for evil. God meant for good. And that means I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to take care of your families. Don't worry about it. You're good. With Peter... He rejects Jesus like all the disciples, but he rejects Jesus. After Jesus comes back, Peter took off. He left. He left the ministry. He, was, he wanted to just go back to his old life, but Jesus grabs a hold of him, sits him down, and he goes through it three times. Do you love me? It's a full restoration of the rejection that he did. The three denials, the three questions, do you love me? It's a complete restoration there. And so there's grace and there's mercy. There's forgiveness. And then he says, follow me. For Paul, here's this young man that didn't follow. He couldn't do, couldn't withstand the, the rigors of the ministry. And he leaves. And Barnabas sees him again and says, you know what? I see something in him. I want him to come with us. And Paul says, no, I don't. Ha- Basically, I don't have time for someone that's just going to leave. And at this point, they split up. There's strife there. Fourteen years later, Mark has done amazing things. One of those things is he writes the gospel of Mark. And through this, Paul realizes he's done good. And he tells Timothy, bring him over. There's forgiveness there. And he says, he's useful to me in ministry. Where he wasn't before. And so what we see through the actual response of godly people is this. That moving forward in God's vision consists of this. Forgiveness, grace, and faithfulness to the vision. That's what we do when we move forward. We take what God has done, the vision that He's given us, the building He's done, all the strife that's going on, and we go, how do I deal with all this? I forgive. I give grace. And I faithfully move forward with whatever God has for me. That's what I do. I don't continue to look back. I don't continue to draw on people's wrongs. Paul could have easily said, you know what? He might work good with Barnabas, but he's not going to work good with me. Joseph could have said, you know what, they'll probably take advantage of me because I'm 
I'm basically king. So they're probably going to take advantage of me. I better move them out so they're not going to hinder my work. Jesus could have said, you know what, Peter? You've always stuck your foot in your mouth. You always say things you shouldn't. You always get in trouble. I don't have time for you. John is a better, he's going to actually write a gospel, so he'll be a better leader than you. No, none of that happens. It's forgiveness. You're forgiven, brothers. It's grace. I'm going to take care of you. And it's moving forward. The nation continues into Egypt. And for a few hundred years, they prosper. For Jesus, it's, do you love me, Peter? You know I do. Feed my sheep. It's restoration that happens. Three times the restoration. And then at the end, so there's forgiveness, grace, and then at the end, follow me. Be faithful to the call. For Paul, it was, get me Mark. Just in that, there's forgiveness and grace. And then, he is useful to the ministry. There's a faithfulness to He's been forgiven. Let's move forward in what God has called us to do. And right after this, Paul dies. And right after that, Mark dies. Within a couple years of Paul. And so what we have is any time that God gives us vision and He builds upon it and we have strife, the only way to move forward is to be forgivers, to be graceful, and be faithful to what God has already said. That's how we move forward. So it doesn't matter. We're always going to have strife. God will give us personal vision of what He wants for us to do as an individual. This is the first week. As an individual, as a ministry body, a local ministry body, He's always going to give us a vision to what He wants us to do. Okay? I want to be faithful to that. Whatever that is, I want to be faithful. Sometimes that vision changes through seasons of our lives. Most of you are retired. Amen? All right, so your vision that God gave you as a young parent or as a young person is different than the vision that He's going to have for you today. Within that, it's going to be the gospel. That's going to be the basis, but it might look different because you know where your ministry field is now? It's not in your hometown. It's not at your job. It's through your RV, through your trailer. As you travel, you have an opportunity That's a part of what God has for you. And it's a great ministry field. Because before, how how many hours did you work? Right? You didn't have maybe a lot of time to share the gospel. Maybe you were working with your hands and you couldn't because literally the, the sounds were so loud you couldn't. But now you don't. Now you have the opportunity to share the gospel. And how much free time do you have? Not as much as you would think, right? Like, but you have more. <laughs> but that's... God has vision for you. And He's calling you to faithfulness. Just like He's calling me to faithfulness. To be faithful with His vision. And be forgiving as we go on. And be graceful as we go on. And so, here's this, here is the stories of where we are for the Alliance. All right? 
Now, I'm going to share this with you and understand this isn't the path the alliance on the back saying, look at us compared to all these other groups. That's not it. But to show you that even in strife. So last week I gave you a little insight into some of the strifes of the National Alliance, which is the Christian Missionary Alliance. I gave you some of that strife that's going on. But I want you to see what's going on also that God's doing. So, just in the U.S., okay, so my brothers and sisters in Canada, uh, I'm not talking about you, <laughs> okay, just in the U.S., all right, there are about 380,000 worshipers that will come to an Alliance Church to worship God today through an Alliance ministry, all right? In those, there's about 1,900 local church ministries that are part of this network of the Alliance, all right? about 95,000 people will attend those services online. All right? Then we got, and they'll be doing so in about 38 languages. This is just in the U.S. All right? Last year, the Alliance uh, planted 50 new local church ministries. That's just here. And this is done during strife. All right, let's look at an international level. And I want to put this into perspective before I read any of those um, numbers. You have to... I'm way over here. You have to understand what the alliance is. That when I talk about the national alliance, I'm talking about the one in the U.S. All right? But we have brothers and sisters across this world that we have that have their own national alliance church ministries. In fact, some of my my brothers and sisters back there are from the Canadian Alliance. All right. So yes, even up in Canada, there there's still hope. I'm just kidding. But this is so when I say these things, some of these things you have to put in perspective. So just from the the national the U.S. Alliance. We send out about 680 in international workers, missionaries, all right? That's not to include our brothers, up in, brothers and sisters up in Canada. That's not to include our brothers and sisters in places like Nicaragua, Peru, Chile, all these other places where they too are sending out missionaries. And guess where they're sending theirs? To us. The U.S., Canada, the Western world is one of the least reached people groups in the world. Did you realize that? We're becoming more and more unreached by the day. All right. So the U.S. Alliance, these 683 are where we sent out 42 new ones last year. They're serving in 150 people groups. We're kind of moving away from the idea of of countries now. We're moving into people groups. So we'll send someone to um, places like Ukraine and they're actually working with people from Uzbekistan or some a different group because you can't get into those other places but they have immigrants and so we meet them where we can and so that's what you're seeing and they're doing so in about 140 cities but that doesn't give the whole thing so there are 60 autonomous um, ministry uh, alliance church groups so one is the U.S. Christian Missionary Alliance. Another one is the Canadian Missionary Alliance. 
And that's what we're talking about. There's 60 of those in their own country sending out missionaries. Like that's the goal of the alliance is to build up a, a local one to reach their own people and to send out missionaries. There's 60 of those. There are here in the U.S. We have about 1,900 local church ministries across the world. It's about 25,000. Right. That's in 88 countries across the world. So a total on an average um, Sunday, you're worshiping with about 6 million other Alliance people, even if you're not Alliance. That's kind of the numbers. And I usually don't share this. This goes out every single year to let the, the pastors know what's going on. I usually don't share these. The reason is, is because it's not about the numbers. It's about the gospel marching on. And so I don't like to just be like, hey, every year, look how good we're doing. Look how good they're doing. So this is the first time I've ever actually done this. I just want you to see, because last week we talked about strife, and it's easily get into this thing where, oh man, everything's going to fall apart. No, no, no. God still works good. And He's still doing that right now. This is just a reflection of after a year of strife, and the alliance is still in the year of strife. What's going on around us? All right. Now let me share with you about this ministry moving forward. So, on Tuesday, we had uh, a meeting, uh, something that's been going on for about a decade. Um, it started with Pastor Jeff, the pastor before me, about changing the name of the ministry to better reflect what the ministry is. So the idea is, the Quartzsite Alliance Church, what does that mean? I've had people come in and say, um, are you guys a cult? Um, it never reflected the idea of what God is calling us to. And so... About two years ago, I couldn't get away from the word arise in the scripture. It just happened again and again and again. It was a call. God was saying, you need to get off your butt, Jeremiah, and start doing work. And really, because time is short. Darkness is a lot. You're a light. Stop messing around. And so it was arise. Get up. And every time I'd open the scriptures, there would be again. It didn't matter if I was reading the Old Testament or the New Testament. It didn't matter where it was. It was just arise, arise, arise. And finally, I'm like, why does this keep happening? And that conversation I had time and time again with Jeff was brought to my mind. And so I finally said, fine. I don't care. I shared it with our elders. And it was like a weight was lifted off of me. Last year, I spent four weeks sharing what arise means and at the end of it i said i don't even care if the church changes its name i just have to share this with you because if i don't god's going to hound me until i do (laughs) and it was so nice to be done with it and so when i went to that that meeting and i said this is what's going on here's the name i told him i don't care what you guys do this is on you. I've done my part. And through this next, that next year, so this past year, our church 
has been in prayer about. So when we come to this past Tuesday, the membership decided, yes, we agree. This is where God is leading us. And so from here on out, we're called Arise Alliance Church. Now, does that change the ministry? It does not. It changes a name. But it's a name that says, get up and go. I don't know how much time there is from now until Jesus' return. I won't even try to figure it out. You know what I know? It's closer than it was yesterday. And you know what? If you look back in the history, just in the last since, since the alliance began in, 18, in the 1880s, how quickly has things changed? Just think back 30 years ago. Did you ever think about, oh man, it's, it's the early 90s. And you're thinking, you know, in 30 years, our society is going to be dealing with transgenderism. Like, did you ever, like, do you think that would have crossed your mind? How quickly our society has shifted. How quickly we have changed. And how quickly we're continuing to change. Why? Because we're becoming darker. God's giving us over. And He's on the horizon. And so what does the church need to do? Arise. It's got to stand up. It can no longer sit back and go, well, you know, it'll be fine. Well, yeah, in the long run, Jesus reigns. But that's not what our call is. That's not the vision that God gave to His church in Matthew 28. It was go therefore... Are we going there for? That's the thing. So we need to arise. So that's why it's changed. To better reflect the calling of God on our lives. It has nothing to do with anything else. It's not to be hip. It's not to be cool. Because let's face it, we're all past that. <laughs> right? Like, I'll be turning 40 this year. And, um, yeah. 84. Anyways, um, we, we turned in 40 this year, and I have three kids. Two of them are teens. You know how cool I am? Yeah. <laughs> Zero. Okay? But that, so we're beyond cool, right? Let's get past coolness. Let's reflect what God calls us to. Okay, so there's some good news. Here's some bad news. Yeah, <laughs> let's get done with. In two and a half years, I'll be stepping. Don't do that. <laughs> I'll be leaving. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. 
And so we'll be starting, uh, we have started <coughs> a two and a half year transition of me stepping down. Hopefully, it'll be our associate pastor that will take over. It's hard. At the end of this, it'll be 19 years that I served. I served this congregation. But we have to be faithful. One of the things I, I said to our One second. I said to our membership on Tuesday was if we are not in the will of God, it doesn't matter where we are. We'll be a hindrance to the ministry if we're trying to do our own thing and leaving the will of God behind. And so... We have to do this. We have to be faithful to whatever God calls us to. And so that's what we're doing. We're trying to be faithful to the moving forward of the ministry. So we don't want to hinder the ministry here when God has said, go. But God is gracious in allowing us to be here for another two and a half years. And so... This is how we're moving forward. If we can get that next thing on. Because he's doing new things. And we have to be prepared for that. We have to be prepared, prepared for the new things that he has. And so this verse, I don't know if we can keep that up there just a little bit longer. But this verse is something that God spoke to the Israelites as they're they're coming to the close of the the monarchy as they're coming to the close of hundreds of years of being in the land and God's going to take them out of it he's going to send them into exile and he starts through the prophet Isaiah starts talking to them about something new he's going to do in Isaiah 43 he tells them something right before he begins to explain the messiah and what that's going to do, he tells them this in Isaiah 43, 11. He tells them, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? This is a huge thing to know. Okay, God's doing something new. I want to know about it. I want to be right there. And it gets hard. But then he says this, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I love this verse because this is quartzite. We need des- we need rivers in the desert, right? This is what we need. And so, I want to perceive it. I want to walk faithfully in it. 
And I'm hoping, I've already told the, the membership, I told the elders, anytime you guys need someone to speak, just call me. It won't be that far away, just like nine hours. I'll come down. We're, by the grace of God, four years ago, we were able to purchase a house here that we've been renovating. And we're not getting rid of it. We're not selling it. Two reasons. One, because it's really hard to find somewhere to live in Quartzsite that is like stable, you know, solid, doesn't have wills. Um, and so for future ministry, for the because the, the church has a parsonage, but for future ministry, for a youth pastor, whatever, it's available for the, the ministry to use. Secondly, and this is actually more for me, I love this place. Like, I love Quartzsite. I was hoping to die here. Like, seriously, I love it. And if at any time God says, you can come back, like full time, I'll be right there. So I'm hoping maybe 10, 15 years. Maybe when I'm 65, 70, 80. God's like, okay, now you can come. Like that's my hope is. I don't know. Don't God has never revealed anything long term like that to me, but that's where I my hope is. So that's another reason why I don't want to sell the place. Is that's so I'm just like holding on to that. And God hasn't said so. So I'm like, okay, possibility. But that's what we're called to do, is to continually move forward in what He's called us to. There's new things all the time. All of you, right, are experiencing new things all the time. Even coming to Quartzsite, Quartzsite's different every single year. I'll give you one example of this. Every year I have a project. And I mean that by I have something crazy happening and it lasts the entire like the entire winter and it drive sometimes it drives me nuts. And it's it's a crisis that I'm helping someone get through it and it usually lasts six months. That has happened for the last seven years, except this year. It's really weird. I've had extra time. I'm not doing the youth ministry now either. And so it's like one night me and my wife were sitting and the kids were asleep. I'm like, I really should be doing something. I've never done this in the wintertime where I just sat for a couple hours. It was really weird. It's a new experience. I really like it. <laughs> but all of us, right, we're all, most of you are going to leave here. Anyone plan to go somewhere new that they didn't, never did before this coming summer? One person? No, a few. Okay, a few. Right? But you, it's something always new because God has new things to do. And so we can't be fearful of it. We can't dwell on the past, but we need to faithfully walk forward. And that's where we're supposed to be. And so the last part of this is this, that God desires us. Like, this is His desire for His people, right? That God desires us to be people of His vision. Rolling with the strife, right? Just in boxing, you roll with the, the punches, right? You go with them. Um, I love the the uh, workout where it's just a string and you're just going up and under, right? Guys, that uh, you've done this, you know, it's just you're rolling with the punches, right? You're just rolling with the punches. 
You're rolling with the strife. It happens, okay. Forgiveness, grace, faithfully walking forward. That's what I do. I, I roll with it, right? That's what God wants from us. He desires us to be rolling with this, okay? And it's always done through the forgiveness. It's always done through grace. And it's always done with the good news on our lips because that's God's vision for His church. And it might be a unique vision for us as individuals, us as, in, as um, individual ministries, but the main one is always gospel. Gospel shared. And Jesus is coming back. Like, this is it. This is all we are supposed to do, is to be witnesses to this truth. Jesus died because we were sinners. And so, how do we share that? It's very simple. This is what we teach the teens. I'm going to teach you it the same way. The Gospel. God created us to be with Him. Right? G-O-S-P-E-L. God created us to be with Him. Our sins... Those things we do in rebellion against God. When we say, I want my way, not your way, that's sin. And so God wants truth, and so when we lie, we're in rebellion. God wants us to save ourselves from marriage sexually. When we don't, we're in rebellion. And it's for our good, right? Anyone ever get into a lie, and you're like, man, i got to lie to, to, to tell another lie? That's, the, that's sin. That's just destruction. Sin on top of sin. I know. I'm your father. Um, and it's the same, like, it's the same thing with, with sexual morality, how many STDs do we have in the world now? It's the same with cheating, like financially, how many times you look on the TV and you look at a politician and go, I wonder how much they, why are they, how'd they go in with $10,000 now they're a millionaire? I'm not saying any of them are crooks. I'm implying that. All right. So it's different. Um, but Right? That's sin. So God created us to be with Him, but our sin, it separates us from Him. Not because God wants us separated, but because we have decided, I'll go my own way. And so we have separated ourselves from Him. And we can never get back. We can't do it on our own. We can't fix the problem on our own. So what He does is He pays the price. He Himself comes down, takes on our human flesh, walks the walk that we were supposed to in complete submission. And then He goes to a cross because sin leads to death. So if you don't sin, you should never die. But Jesus died. And because of that, it was a sacrifice. It was a put... He put himself into our position. And as soon as he did that, it paid for anyone that would accept him as Savior. And then to prove it, God raised him from the dead and opened the way to eternal life. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Our sin separated us from God. Sins cannot be removed. Or where are we? Yeah. God created us to be with Him. Our sins separate from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds, but paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Now we're on E. Everyone who accepts Jesus as their Savior will have eternal life. L. That life starts now and lasts forever. There's the Gospel. That's what should be on our lips. And Jesus is coming back. There it is. I've just shared with you the gospel. 
I've told you about Jesus' return. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, get on it. Because I've run into too many people that don't have eternity and don't take eternity seriously. So we need to. Alright? Here's my challenge for you this week. It's a simple prayer. The, the words don't mean as much as the, what's being said. Alright? So here's the prayer. Lord, make me your person of vision. Right? Because that's where it starts. God gives us vision. I want to, I, what's your vision? We could say it like this. Lord, I want to know your will. I want to know your purpose for me. It's the same. These are called synonyms. I learned that. Somewhere. Um, Lord, make me your person of vision who responds to strife with forgiveness and grace. How many of us need to work on that? Yeah, right here. Yeah. Who responds to strife with forgiveness and grace with a focus on the gospel and Jesus' return. I want to challenge you this week to just have this be your prayer. You wake up, you go to sleep. Lord, I want to follow your will. I want to respond with grace and forgiveness. And I want to move faithfully forward in sharing the gospel. How do I do that? Empower me by the Holy Spirit to do that. Accomplish these things in me for your glory. Like this, That would be another way of saying it. And so I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to be the salt and the light, as Jesus says in Matthew, to be the salt and the light, because in this world, you're going to have trouble, and it's going to get worse, not better. But you know what? That just means Jesus is on the horizon. That means all the struggle, all the strife is going to fade away into an eternal kingdom. But until that day, until that day, this is how I say it, we are all on the boat that's sinking and our job is to get people into the life raft of Jesus. Not to tell them the boat's fine. It's to say, there's the lifeboat. Only He can save you. Go that way. Alright? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You. You're good and You're gracious towards us. And so, Father, I... I praise you for that. I thank you for the grace that is given to me by this this congregation. That through my foibles, through my failings of speech and failings of so many other things, that they continue to give me grace and allow me to serve them. Father, thank you for allowing us to move forward in vision that we would accomplish what you would have. Lord, that you would be given the glory you deserve. Jesus, we praise you for, because you are the one that allows all this to happen. You build your church. It's not us who build, it's you who builds it. And we are merely workers looking to our form and saying, where do I go? So Lord, thank you for that. I ask that you move by your Holy Spirit within your people to accomplish great things, to point people to the ark of Christ that they may be saved. And so Lord, we thank you and praise you that all things would give you glory. In your son's precious name, amen. Amen.